Hi, I am Joshua Hess, and this is the Outside Looking In, where I talk about all things autism. Being the first episode, I think it would be important to speak briefly about who I am and what empowers me to speak as an authority on autism. I will also explain a bit about what autism is and isn't, thus laying the foundation for future episodes. Finally, I will invite you to reach out to me to ask any questions you may have and provide instructions on how you can do just that. As I said earlier, I am Joshua Hess, and I am autistic. I grew up in a period that I call the Dark Ages of Autism. I intend to talk more about this period in future podcasts, but for now, understand that it is the time between 1972 and the late 80s, when autism is truly coming into the public view for the first time, following exposés such as Willowbrook, The Last Greatest Grace, that brought about the closing of such institutions and the introduction of autistic and similarly challenged students into an already overburdened public school system. This period is defined by its lack of information about these children, the nature of their conditions, how best to educate them, and the fear and confusion that resulted. Today, I am married, a small business owner, and generally happy. But to get here, I had to live through the confusion of friendships and dating, the frustration and exhaustion of simultaneously working multiple jobs that I hated, sometimes for as little as $1, which is the current legal minimum wage for individuals with disabilities such as autism, and spent a notable portion of my life homeless. Does all of this make me an expert on autism? Well, ask yourself who you would rather listen to. Some shrink that has spent a few classes studying autism and a handful of hours observing it in a controlled environment, or someone that has lived it for over four decades. No study breaks, no stepping out for coffee, no consults, no escape. Explaining autism to someone without autism, people whom we call neurotypicals or NTs for short, can be tricky. More often than not, the person asking for an explanation doesn't actually want an explanation per se, but instead wants to understand autism in terms of what an autistic person can and cannot do. Because of this, autism is usually expressed in terms of how it impacts the individual instead of how it affects them. This means that the listener learns nothing about autism or how to interact with someone with autism. This results in feelings of hopelessness for those close to an autistic person because it suggests that they are stuck as they are, which could not be further from the truth. Let me explain. Individuals with autism experience sensory stimuli differently from NTs and lack the ability to properly filter those stimuli. These differences in sensory inputs cause us to experience the world differently from others, including other autistic people. These differences could be as simple and relatable as intensity. Sounds are louder, spicy food is spicier, cold is colder. It is important to understand that these exaggerated sensory experiences are not simply in our heads. They are real and can have the same sort of short-term and long-term physical consequences as they would for others. Normal sounds can cause permanent hearing damage. Spicy food can damage the tongue and mouth. Cool temperatures can cause extreme pain to the joints and dry out skin. Other sensory differences are less relatable. Dyslexia, while a term familiar to most of us, is a condition that few can relate to while its lesser known cousin, prosopagnosia, commonly known as face blindness, is even less relatable. Synesthesia, 
a condition that is virtually unheard of by NTs, is almost completely alien as it causes individuals to experience sensory inputs as another sense entirely. Tasting colors, seeing sounds, or feeling pain when you see a shape, or when you hear an otherwise pleasant sound. These sensory issues are the point of origin for all other characteristics of autism. For example, the commonly known inability to make eye contact, at least for me, is a manifestation of synesthesia. When I make eye contact with someone, it feels like I am staring into a bright light, such as a spotlight or the sun. My eyes burn and begin to water. I reflexively squint my eyes to shield them from the brightness. If I maintain eye contact, my watering eyes will make me appear as though I am crying and cause redness and irritation. If I spend a day making and holding eye contact with numerous people, my eyes become sore, my tear ducts can bleed, my face looks swollen, and the skin under my eyes can be dry and chapped from the salty tears. I, like most individuals with autism, do not like to be touched. This is because my sense of touch is turned up to 11, as it were. When I experience physical contact, there is a sensation similar to an electrical current. More than a simple static discharge, the feeling is, at least initially, less painful and more uncomfortable, something like licking a 9-volt battery accompanied by the tightening of the affected muscles as if they had been the target of a TENS unit. Prolonged contact, such as a handshake or a hug, slowly begins to increase the sensation, while the TENS unit-like effect becomes more of a cramp-like feeling. A long hug, more than a few seconds, can begin to feel like a charley horse that spans my back, ribs, chest, and arms while rendering me incapable of breathing as I lose control of my diaphragm. These sensory differences shape everything, from playing with shaped colored blocks and adhering to an established routine to difficulties with social interactions and the laser focus we have towards particular interests. But, as it is with all people, as we encounter these stimuli, we learn to adapt. We learn tricks to minimize the negative impact of these skewed senses. I, for example, carry a number of tools to help me manage certain situations. From everyday objects like earplugs to minimize sound, an essential oil inhaler to help me focus on something that I can control, to my readers, a pair of stiff L-shaped pieces of cardstock that I use to minimize the hassle of dyslexia. Which brings me back to my initial point. People with autism are not stuck. We are not incapable of learning and growing as people. The fact that I can tell you this is proof of that. Teaching and befriending people with autism does not begin with correcting the way we perceive things or by curing us, but by recognizing that the way all of us, autistic and NT alike, perceive the world is limited and that solution requires us to all make changes in ourselves. To do this, we must stop thinking of autism as a disability. We have to stop seeing only the impact that autism has on an individual and begin to understand the sensory differences that cause that impact. Thank you for listening to the Outside Looking In's first full episode. I would like to invite you to follow me on Facebook at The Outside Looking In, where you can ask questions, hear about upcoming podcasts, and learn about local autism groups and events.